Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Oh yeah! Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. Good evening. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. It's Wednesday night. Thank you for joining us. Tonight's recommended drink, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to investigate a cocktail called a Fruity Loop. Tonight's recommended snack, a big plate of free cheese. You know that creamy shit? But it just has to be slightly melted. Just enough to get a cracker in there. Thank you for joining us. Skull! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this Wednesday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. I am Boogie Bumper, your host. Hopefully for the next couple of hours or so, we'll see how we go, we'll see how we do. And it's Wednesday night. Hope you had a lovely night. I certainly did. And as usual, we've got so much to get through. Might have to go overtime again tonight. I've, 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 I've mentioned this before. I, I have like an archive let me just get that mic up a little bit. There we go. That's better. I have an archive of like the stories I collect, the clips I collect, and the archive. People send me stuff, and the archive is getting, it's filling up quicker than I can empty it. I'm starting to feel like a bureaucrat. I'm starting to feel like a government worker with just endless streams of paperwork. You know, people walking into my office and just dumping folders on my desk. And, you know, in a montage type scene with the accelerate the time accelerated you just see piles like building like towers all around me i can't get rid of the shit so we may have to go over time yet again i hope you don't mind i hope you don't mind sticking around thank you for joining us absolute pleasure uh please share the show out uh thank you if you did if you didn't well that's okay i guess you don't have to it's all right you can be a freeloader <laughs> whatever it's, you know i'm not the one that has to live with myself so there you go. Uh, thank you for joining us. I see a lot of new names in the chat tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for dropping in. Uh, let me give you the quick rundown of how this usually goes. So um, here's the way it works out generally, the way I've found. And I've given a spiel a couple of times. But just if you're new, um, if you're a liberal, you'll accuse me of being a conservative shill within the first half an hour. If you're a conservative, you'll accuse me of being a liberal hack within the first half an hour. Um, if I'm being too positive, you'll accuse me of shilling for money. If I'm being too negative, you'll accuse me of pushing fear porn. If I'm being too sarcastic and too jokey, you'll say I'm not taking it seriously enough. And if I'm being too serious, you'll say, why the fuck don't you lighten up? So that's, that's generally how it's going to play out. So now that you know when it happens and you feel that and you say that, just try to act surprised. So don't ruin it for the other people. Thank you for joining us. Quick shout out before we get rolling here. Oh, I haven't got my alerts on. Again, I keep forgetting my alerts. Uh, quick shout out before we get rolling. Uh, JJ Stoner, who joined us this morning? Who managed to catch it? I told you, didn't I? Huh? I told you it was good. Midget Wednesday with JJ. Oh, yeah. Fucking fantastic. If you're not following JJ Stoner on DLive, you're missing out. DLive.tv slash JJ Stoner. Midget Wednesday every Wednesday. 
Not once in a while. <laughs> not like bi-weekly, not monthly, not yearly. Every week, Midget Wednesday. It is the best midget roundup on the interwebs and you absolutely must be watching it. So follow JJ Stoner, dlive.tv slash JJ Stoner. Because I, I completely forgot about it. I watched it last week and then I saw the notification come up and I'm like, oh yeah, it's Wednesday. I was very excited and very happy to be there. And it was a lot of fun. So follow JJ. Um, give him a shout out. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me about your favorite midget, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. There's, there's things we need to get to today. And there's, there's serious things. There's not so serious things. You'll laugh. You'll cry. I do have to open tonight, though, with a little bit of politics, because otherwise the end of the show is not going to make any sense. Unless we go here first, we're not going to be able to get to our destination. So yesterday, of course, big things were happening. Big things were happening. Rapunzel says, Midget, you mean fun-sized. <laughs> you know what's always annoyed me, just to go off topic? You know the little candy bars? So, you know, like a Mars bar, for example. And they're generally, you know, like the size of a couple of fingers or whatever. And then they come in like these little bite-sized portions. And then they put on the wrapper of the little candy bars, fun size. Like that never worked. That never made sense to me, even when I was a kid. Because I'm like... A smaller version of a candy bar is not fun. Fun-sized would be fucking huge, you know? Fun-sized would be like if you were a child, you know, riding that missile in that scene in that movie. You know what I mean? Like, that's how big it should be. It should feel like you're sitting on a horse. That would be a fun-sized candy bar. Something that you would have to go to the emergency room after you finish eating. That's fun, man. This tiny little thing, I can't have fun with this. This is just a tease. This is torture. This is torture size. Fuck you. <sighs> We're always putting up with false advertising in this world. So thank you for joining us. I do have to start with a little bit of politics, ladies and gentlemen. Yesterday was a huge day. A huge day. It was the 200th episode of this fledgling little operation here called the Daily Boogie. And uh, there was also something going on called Super Tuesday. I don't know. I thought they were calling it Super Tuesday for this show. I thought it was all about me because, you know, I'm a narcissist. But apparently not. <laughs> Who knew, right? Oh, I guess I, I guess I was mistaken. Oh. What do you mean? It's, what do you mean there's an election? So I did want to cover a little bit of it. Um, let's start with this. The great, the greatest comeback in political history. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm a political junkie and a, and a campaign junkie. So this old fella, uh, he's he's back from the dead. Ironically, looking ever closer to death, he's back from the dead. He's apparently he's winning everything. He's there's there's more to say about this. So let's before we get into it, let's Joe. Let Joe speak for himself just for a moment and see what he's got to say. Old Uncle Joe. Hello, 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 hello! Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? Hello? I, I, thought, I, I, thought, I, heard, uh, some, I thought I heard somebody outside. Hello? Was there a phone ringing? 
I could have sworn I, uh, so is this, is this working? Uh, hello? Hello. It's a good night. It's a good night. It's a good night. Woo! Woo! And it seems to be getting even better. Yeah! They don't call Super Tuesday for nothing. <sighs> <laughs> They call it Super Tuesday for nothing, huh? Um, I guess. <laughs> People often ask me, like, why are you so pessimistic? Because I'm not, you know, I'm not... Generally, when things happen, like, there's a lot of people who are, like, cheerleaders and, like, oh, everything's good, everything's great, everything's going super. Everything's just going super. Everything's wonderful. And I'm usually that annoying person in the group, that annoying guy at the party and says, well, actually, they're towing your car, you know, so you kind of got to get outside. Oh, don't worry about it. I, it's fine. I'll just get another one. Well, actually, an asteroid's about to hit planet Earth, so we're all going to be wiped out in the next 12 hours. I can't believe nobody's talking about it. What are you talking about? Everything's amazing. You know, I'm that guy. So <laughs> what you're going to see here, like people ask me, why are you so pessimistic? What you're going to see here, the the reaction of the crowd, the mindless jibber that flies out of this guy's mouth. And it's not just him. It's all of them, really, just in different ways. Like, I would have thought that by now we would have been past a lot of this stuff, but it still works. The empty platitudes and the empty epithets and the thinking in slogans and thinking in spin and the single-cell organism-style reaction to these, you know, slogans and spin, it's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. If anything, it's probably getting fucking worse. So, and people are like, well, why are you more optimistic? It's like, because look at these people. They're, they are mindless, mindless empty vessels waiting to be filled with somebody else's ideas. By the way... This is my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is To be fair, they kind of look alike. <laughs> oh, you switched on me. This is my wife. This is my sister. They switched on me. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Hello, is anybody there? Oh, we see, this is my wife. This is my... Oh, 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 you're over there now. Oh. They switched it on me. The nurse must have come in and replaced you with uh, with, uh, with uh, the, 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 this lady over here. I had no idea. You know, you've got to be careful. These young whippersnappers are always playing games, always playing the silly games. You know, when I was a young man, I was known to, uh, you know, switch women from time to time. I was quite debonair with the ladies. And uh, I was known to uh, take a young woman out on the trolley and we would head to a local club and we would go dancing all night long. And then I would drop her off at about 11 p.m., which was, you know, the courtesy back in the time, you see, because you didn't want to bring a young lady home to her father uh, much after 11 p.m., you see, because otherwise the local constabulary would be called and you could find yourself in a rather spot of bother. But, uh, well, they, they switched them around on me. Hello? Hello, is anybody there? Can you hear me? Okay. Folks! Folks! It's still early, but things are looking awful, awful good! Yeah. Yeah. For those, 
Those have been knocked down, counted out, left behind. This is your campaign. <laughs> This guy just has no original platform, no original thought whatsoever. And again, the people in this room are just lapping it up, lapping it. It's rhetorical sewerage. They are lapping it up like a thirsty dog drinks from a toilet. (laughs) Give me more. For all the forgotten people. For all, for all of the underclasses, for all of the forgotten people. It could be a speech directly from either Trump or Sanders. You know what I mean? So, so the party's now railroading Sanders and Joe's just going to start talking like him. It will be like Sanders never existed. He's going to steal his identity. He's got, I guarantee at some point during this, because this isn't beyond him. At some point, he may even come out and say, I am Bernie Sanders. It could get that bad. He doesn't know who his wife, he can't tell his wife from his sister. He doesn't know what town he's in. He doesn't know the name of the interviewer on Fox News who talks to him. He can't remember if he got arrested or not when he met Nelson Mandela. He may even think that he is Bernie Sanders. And everyone in the room will go, yeah, woo! This is about the forgotten people. You you mean all of the people who were being forgotten intentionally for the last two decades when you were in power for half of those years. They, they just say things. And that's what I mean. Like, I would have thought by now everybody would have, everybody would have been beyond this. Because what I sensed a few years ago, and I'm sure it was the same here as it was in the UK, as it was in the United States, what I sensed a few years ago was a collective um, frustration with this kind of programmed political speech. Like everyone was sick of it. Everyone knew all the rhetorical tricks that they use. Everyone knew the empty, ambiguous statements that they make and people just, and I, I thought that I sensed like the coming of to the end of that period, that era. I thought now people are going to start looking for like something that's a little more real. Even if it's not, at least real in the shallow sense on the surface. No. Nah. <laughs> nah. They just wanted somebody who swore a little bit more. They wanted somebody who said naughty things from time to time. They're not ready. They're not ready for politicians to drop the act. They love the act. They need the act. It's comforting. For all the forgotten people. This is your campaign. Yes, it's about us. He's talking about us, guys. Wave the sign harder. Keep waving it. Did you see that? Joe was talking about me and you. Really? Yes. He loves us. I know. I love him. He's the best. (laughs) Victor von Schroom, thank you for joining us. Great name. Uh, just be glad they still count your vote. Take the Dutch. They either shoot, sue, or demonise any opposition. That's true. <laughs> just a few days ago, the press and the pundits had declared the campaign dead. And then came South Carolina. They had something to say about it. They had something to say about it, Carolina. Uh, again, like, so the press, they were declaring the campaign dead. 
No, the press was the only one that wasn't declaring the campaign dead. Everybody else was declaring the campaign dead. Now, do you see what's happening here? Now he's the underdog. Now he's assumed the underdog tag. Well, I'm the guy who I'm the guy who nobody thought could win. <laughs> they had they didn't even see us coming. Everybody thought we were dead in the water, but look at us now. This is an organic movement. Everybody's getting on the Joe Biden train. This is from the ground up. This is from the bottom up. The press wrote us off, but we didn't stop fighting. We we never gave in. <coughs> Isn't it fucking disgusting? Like, there's the sheer balls of it. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe... Like, I watched, like, two minutes of it. It took me ten. Because I, I had to keep pausing and rubbing my temples. Oh, the hell am I watching here? It's the new Joe Biden. He's now, he's now fighting for the little guy. He's now the anti-establishment guy, believe it or not. That's that's the campaign. That's the marketing framing that's taking place here. And we're told, well, when you got to Super Tuesday, it'd be over. Well, it may be over for the other guy. Tell that to the folks in Virginia. North Carolina. Alabama. Tennessee. Oklahoma. Arkansas. Jesus. Uh, we're still waiting for Texas and California, a few other small states to come in. But it's looking good. It's looking good. So I'm here to report, we are very much alive. And make no mistake about it, this campaign that will send Donald Trump packing. <laughs> this campaign is taking off. Join us. For those folks, listen, go to JoeBiden.com. Sign up, volunteer, contribute if you can. We need you, we want you, and there's a place for you in this campaign. So there you have it. Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, fighting Joe Biden, the underdog, the man who nobody said he could do it, the guy who's fighting for you. He's fighting for the little guy. <laughs> Absolutely fucking amazing. The balls of it. Well, you know, they all wrote us off. They all said that we couldn't do it, but here we are. We're doing it anyway. Because, you know, they didn't... Hello? Hello? Oh, you're switching around over there. Oh, it's funny. You know, I haven't felt this good since the summer of 1943. When I was, uh, you know, investigating the local swimming pools, or as we called them, the fitness centre back in those days, and... Uh, I met a young African-American gentleman who threatened me with a rusty blade. Well, of course, back in those days, uh, if you weren't threatened by an African-American gentleman, or as we called them a Negro back in those days, if you weren't threatened by a Negro at least once in your life, well, then uh, you weren't anybody to be uh, uh, worried about. So, you know, of course, I'm looking forward to uh, taking my rightful place at the top of the tree, uh, becoming the king, I mean the president. And, uh, uh, you know, and exacting revenge on all of those who said we couldn't do it. 
Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen. Are you getting excited yet? So I've seen it. It's fucking, it's insane to me. It is ridiculous. And I just, I lose more faith in humanity every day. Seeing these people lapping up these empty lines as though they mean something. Seeing people lap up the lines and, oh, we're fighting for you. We're the little guy. It is as if they they exist in a vacuum. Thank you for the diamond, UK Neil. Follow UK Neil on DLive, ladies and gentlemen. DLive.tv slash UK Neil. <laughs> he says that Biden impression. It's not, it's not, a, I've got to be fair here. It's not a Biden impression. It's just my generic old dottery male impression. My forgetful, senile old man voice. So I just use it for, it's a, it's a one size fits all. <laughs> Whenever I, it's the same voice I did for Robert Mueller. So, you know, to be fair. It could be the same guy. Who knows? Who knows which man it could be back in my day. So <clears throat> I find that sickening. I've seen a lot of spin, a lot of reporting about what happened on Super Tuesday. Uh, this, though, is probably the most rational explanation that I've seen to date. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Uh, she says, ADHD is a bitch. Laugh out loud. Squirrel. <laughs> this is probably the most reasonable explanation that I've seen. From Jim Hansen. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I'm not sure where he's from. Uh, I think he, he works for some kind of think tank or something, but I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that. So this makes sense to me. Okay, I'll play. The votes weren't rigged. The process was Bloomberg allowed to debate, attack socialist Bernie. Dems pushed Buttigieg and Klobuchar out, helping Joe Biden, kept Warren in, help, uh, hurting Bernie Sanders. The media ran propaganda interference for Biden. Nicely done. What? That makes sense to me. The only thing I would disagree with this guy on is he says, nicely done, but rigged. And I would say that's that's not rigging. That's just politics. <laughs> that's what they've always done. This kind of thing is what has always happened. This kind of thing is what keeps good people for from running for office. Like if you're a good if you're a natural that's it's why politics is only infested with people who crave power. It's only infested with you have to be a certain kind of personality to deal with what you have to deal with. See, good people who do it for the right reasons, more often than not, are sniffed out long before they ever get elected to anything and are forced out long before their name ever goes on a ballot. More often than not. Sometimes the occasional one slips through, but you can't get to any level of power without having to do things that the shitty people do. It's just the way it rolls. So yes, I can see that Bloomberg was allowed to vote when he shouldn't in order to attack Sanders. I can see that the Dems pushed Buttigieg and Klobuchar out to help Joe Biden. I can see that Warren could have been kept in there to hurt Bernie Sanders, but I don't think that's rigging. I just think that's politics. It's just what they've always done. It's shitty, but that's the game, right? So... This I really like. I've, I caught this uh, a couple of weeks ago. I have to show you this. <laughs> and then and then we'll move on to other stuff. 
Uh, like I said, we've got so much to get through. And I have to get to the breaking news, the very sad news, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get to it in a little while. But um, get your tissues out. Get your handkerchiefs. Um, if you've got a, a teddy bear or something, find it. Because you're going to want to cuddle something when we get to this story. It's a real fucking tearjerker, trust me. Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't even know if I can... If I can... Just be strong, books. Be strong. Be strong, books. This is fucking, I love this. <laughs> this is beautiful. Uh, because we need another reason to explain why Hillary Clinton didn't win in 2016. This comes from the good people of Slate. Did Nate Silver and 538 lower 2016's voter turnout? A new paper says yes. <laughs> do you know? So Nate Silver runs 538. Uh, it's the polling site. It's, it, they do predictions and stuff, political predictions. They got the presidential race wrong in 2016. And Nate was given a lot of shit because he said there's a 96% chance that Hillary Clinton will win. But in Nate Silver's defense, he actually got the popular vote prediction spot on. He got it exactly right. He What he just got wrong was where those votes were going to be, like in what states. And there was probably a whole number of factors for that. Like a lot of first time voters aren't polled. Right, so if you haven't voted in the previous two elections, you don't get polled. And there was a record amount of first-time voters in 2016, so that kind of throws everything off kilter. So he actually got, like, you know, the raw numbers right, but he got the allocation of those numbers wrong. So I kind of felt sorry for him a little bit because he wasn't alone, but everybody blamed him, you know what I mean? The months after the 2016 presidential election were a brutal time for election forecasters, Many Democratic voters felt misled, even betrayed, by the comforting voices in the media that had reassured them earlier that a that fall that fall that that's, that's the way it's written that fall that a philandering and crass television star had essentially no shot at beating an experienced politician. In the aftermath of so, why are they still listening to them then? That's the question. Again, if you want to be blackpilled, if you want to be blackpilled about the stupidity of crowds, then you need only look at the way crowds behave. Look, look, only look at how people, you know, handle themselves. In 2016, apparently everyone felt betrayed because the media lied to them, and now they're going back to the exact same media and saying, "Tell me more lies. <laughs> tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies." Oh, this Joe Biden guy, he's fighting for the underdog. He's one of us. He's one of our working class guys. I love Joe Biden and he loves me. Lapping it up once again, back to the trough to devour their swill. <laughs> Gorging themselves on the bullshit. <laughs> Many began to question the value of such horse race coverage to begin with. The New York Times, Nate Silver's 538, and the Princeton Election Consortium. The Election Consortium, ladies and gentlemen. All put Clinton's chances between somewhere between 70 to 99%. <laughs> Damaging public trust in several institutions. This is another thing that they haven't figured out, right? If you've ever played cards, you know this. You already know this. Just because somebody has a 90% chance of winning the hand doesn't mean that they will win the hand 100% of the time. Like, I don't, this is a very human thing, I think. 
People think because they have a 90% chance that they can't lose. That's literally the opposite of what a 90% chance is. A 90% chance means you will win 90% of the time, but it's still a chance. It's, you know what I mean? The odds are in your favor. You're not guaranteed shit. So if you play cards, you know this because you're calculating odds all the time with what cards you have, how much money is in the pot, how much should I bet, how much should I call, right? You're always trying to figure out your odds to do whatever you're going to do. And if you get dealt like pocket aces, you know, pre-flop and you've, you've got two aces, you've got like an 80-something percent chance of winning the hand, but that doesn't mean you're going to win. You will lose, you know, more than 10% of the time. But people seem to think that that's not a thing. <laughs> I've had aces. How did I lose? Uh, because you didn't have a 100% chance to win? What do you think this is? That's why it's gambling, you idiot. But it's possible that these predictions did something else harmful. Harmful. I see you in hell. The three researchers dove into the numbers to see if it was possible that such forecasting had ultimately inflated potential Democratic voters' confidence to the point it depressed voter turnout. I'm sure I'm sure it did at some in some way. That which again makes me wonder why then uh, why they're now continuing to say that whoever's running against Donald Trump cannot lose. Like they're saying that now. The media again they're doing it again. <laughs> The research led to some fascinating and very clear results. The experiments concluded that these forecasts had infused the entire public discussion around the 2016 election, making it difficult to miss, and that those who hear about a candidate's high probability of winning do indeed stay home. See, this is wild to me. They, they wanted everybody talking about politics all the time in every facet of life. And this isn't a new idea. They've been doing this for like 10, 20, 30 years. Think about it. Everything has to be political. Every movie you watch, every sports, uh, every sport you watch, every advertisement, all has to have some kind of ideological tinge to it. Whether it's diversity or equality or whatever the movement is, whatever the agenda is, Everything has to have, everything, politics must be ever present in every aspect of our lives. That's what they want. Thank you, Ambelina. McAfee 2020. Don't worry, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Hold your horses on that one. So, no spoilers, by the way. Don't ruin it if you're in the chat. So they want politics to be permeating throughout every conversation, every topic. People can't fucking escape it anymore. And people are at the point now where it's like, oh, God, why are they always shoving this shit down our throats? Why can't I just go to the football and watch a football game without being fucking lectured to? Why can't I watch an awards show without being lectured to? Every aspect of our lives must be consumed by politics. This is what they wanted so when people vote to reject that, when people vote against that, because I've said this before, I think a lot of the reason why Trump won in 2016, it wasn't that people were necessarily sick of the left. It wasn't that people were necessarily sick of the establishment on the right. I just think people were sick of politics, full stop. Sick of politicians. And he was the fuck you, fuck you to politics vote. 
Why else would you have lifelong Democrats in the blue wall state support the guy? Why else would you have record amounts of first-time voters who never felt the need to vote for anybody ever before? They voted for him. Because it's like, fuck the politicians. Fuck them. Fuck all this shit. I'm voting for the one guy who isn't one of them. You know what I mean? And now they're complaining. Oh, oh we're, we've saturated the marketplace too much and that stopped people from coming out to vote. <laughs> Again, completely misdiagnosing it. So this this will be in the show notes if you want to go over it. I'm not going to go over it because I kind of want to move through this quick. Uh, did Nate Silver and 538 lower 2016 voter turnout? A new paper says yes. Amazingly hilarious if you go through and read it. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me let me bring you down here, down under. How about a little, little bit of local news? Uh, this comes from Kira Savage, who does great work on Twitter. Shout out to Kira. So as you know, uh, if we're not, if our assholes aren't on fire down here in Australia, then we're being flooded. And if we're not being flooded, then the sex-crazed snakes and spiders are, you know, going out and gallivanting around and reproducing. And if that's not happening, then there's something else that's going on. People are now stabbing each other in supermarkets over toilet paper. Yes. Yes, that's true. People are bringing weapons to the supermarket now to get toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fun. Yay. Another thing that we got wrong here. You know, when we said it doesn't matter if you believe the virus is real or not, uh, the 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 crowd's reaction to the virus will make it real. And even people on Twitter were saying, well, I just went down to my local supermarket and everything's still there. And then the very next day I get another tweet. Oh, okay, well, it's empty now. <laughs> it's like, okay. I don't know why you didn't think it was going to happen, but whatever. It's cool. So shit happens, right? And in an era where people are like hyper aware and hyper focused of how government is wasting their money and when climate change, climate change is like just a a bottomless pit of taxpayer funds. Uh, This story broke here a couple of weeks ago. Local council is under fire tonight for using ratepayers money for counselling to deal with grief and anxiety from climate change. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So imagine, imagine, imagine your local city council, right? Your local municipality taking, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars of your money, your money, and then spending it on giving other people who work for the council, other giving government workers Grief counselling from climate change. (laughs) Getting one-on-one sessions, right? Sitting down. So tell me, how do you feel? Well, I just feel like, I feel like despair. Like there's nothing I can do. Um, You know, and I just want to save like all the koalas and I want to save all of the children. And, you know, sometimes I just, like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't even sleep. You know, is it affecting my work? Yes, it's affecting my work. You know, I can't focus. I can't concentrate. Just thinking about what's going to happen 300 years after I'm dead. It's just... (laughs) Money well spent, huh? And meanwhile, you're the average guy just going to work 
And you, you know, you're driving to work after a couple of weeks of rain and then bang, you drive into a pothole. Oh, fuck. When are they going to fix these potholes? How hard can it be to fix a damn pothole? Who's running this city? And meanwhile, the people who run the city are actually like laying down on a psychiatrist's bed talking about how scared they are of fucking climate change. On your dime, with your money. (laughs) Makes me laugh because we're so fucked. There is just a culture of wastage. We just can't wait to waste money. It's under fire tonight. And, And again, most people don't care. We'll get angry for a little while. We'll get angry for like 12 hours. We'll get angry for 24 hours. But the story will eventually just slip away. It'll just slide away. And the next time it comes to voting, people won't remember. And they won't care. And, they'll, and you know, the next time, the next election will roll around and then they'll be acting like the Joe Biden supporters in that speech we just watched a few minutes ago. And the very people who spent their money, hundreds of thousands of dollars on their money, of their money, pardon me, on, you know, talking about how fearful they are of climate change, they will be up there on the, on the stage saying shit like, we're fighting for you, we believe in the little guys, if you're part of the forgotten people, we're the people for you, we're going to wipe out government wastage, we're going to fix the economy, and people go, yeah, yeah, they're fighting for us. None of it matters, nobody cares. Because we have the memories of goldfish. I, I meant I said I said this the other day. We are Alex Jones style chimeras. We are sheep with the minds of goldfish. We can be led from one pen to the next pen, and as soon as we're led into the new pen, we instantaneously forget the pen that we were just led out of. And they know it, so they don't care. So they just piss in our face for using ratepayers' money for counselling to deal with grief and anxiety from climate change. The workshops are being put on to help locals come to terms with what's happening to the environment, but some say it's not where the money should be going. You don't say. (laughs) It's a community where locals are crying out for action on the basics. There's uh, just potholes in the main street. Potholes! I knew it! I haven't seen this. If you're new new to the show, I don't pre-watch stuff. Often I'll just watch like the first couple of, you know, 20 or 30 seconds. The Joe Biden speech, I'll watch like two minutes of it. Uh, An article, I'll read the headline and like quickly scan it. And then I decide from that if we'll do it on the show or not. Because I want to give you like genuine reactions. So, but this clip I have not pre-watched. I've heard about the story and I saw the headline of the story. I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing that. So I had no idea that they would go to potholes, but they that's how in touch with the that's how in touch with the common man I am. You know, those smelly, stinky, blue collar blue collared peasants, I know exactly what they want. <laughs> the fucking potholes. It's not hard. See, that's my point here. It's not hard to figure this shit out. It's not hard to figure out that people in a local council would rather get potholes fixed than have, you know, councillors being fucking counselled on gr- for grief and anxiety about climate change. That's basic 101 shit. But it doesn't stop them spending your money on it. It doesn't stop them pissing your money away. I oh, know. It's a community where locals are crying out for action on the basics. There's just potholes in the main street. 
of mould and it doesn't get repaired. Now, I'm paying $450 a quarter for my rates, which is nearly $2,000. Well, what am I getting for it? Nothing. So Nothing. they can't understand why the local council is spending money on climate change resilience classes. The Shire <laughs> is tipping in 1500 ratepayer dollars to help people deal with grief and anxiety and come to terms with the climate emergency. Long-time resident Lois... Wow, it is just... And people have the audacity to say that it's not a scam, huh? <laughs> Deal with climate change anxiety. Shut the fuck up and fix the road, will you? <laughs> like if you if you tried to imagine you called up your boss and one you said to your boss, boss, I can't come in today. Why not? Because I have I'm getting anxiety attacks about climate change. He would laugh in your face over the phone and say, if you don't get if you don't come in, you're fucking fired. Nobody else gets to live this way. And we've said it before, like when it comes to things like sustainability programs and stuff, people think it's only at the federal level that these things happen. That's not true. It's never been true. It actually starts from the bottom. It starts with these local councils because councillors will be invited to like overseas conferences and junkets. Hey, sign up your local council to the Worldwide Sustainability Project. Shit like that plant some trees, have some grief counselling, right? Take some cars off the road, put some bike lanes in, that kind of thing. Next thing you know, you've got a ticket to Switzerland for the weekend and you can listen to other people, to other bureaucrats talk about climate change. Other bureaucrats will pat you on the back. You'll get nice rewards for it. You'll get praised in the little bureaucratic magazines that get circled around. You'll be a hero to these people because you live in a bubble. As one, as one guy once told me, these people view the world through the bulletproof glass of their chauffeur-driven cars. That's how much experience they have with you. That's what they think of you. Larkman is one of many struggling to accept the council plan. It's ridiculous. The workshops will be run by local psychologist Dr Susie Burke. They're just wasting our money. Mm. The climate change thing is a far too big, big, bigger issue for this council. But that council says there's strong community support for the workshops. We had uh, up to 2,400 signatures on a... Oh! <laughs> we had 2,000 signatures. And I'm sorry, again... You know, present company is excluded, but I'm sorry, but wherever there is like a far left hippie retread climate, let's all fuck a tree, let's get together, multicultural shit show, I'm sorry, but there is a white boomer woman, wherever that's taking place. If you look at the rallies, it is inundated. It is overflowing with white boomer females. Who are the teachers in the school who are teaching the children that they need to write letters to the Prime Minister to complain about climate change? It is the white boomer females. Who are working in the council? Who are the councillors getting paid by taxpayers who are then shoveling taxpayers' money to psychologists to counsel people on the grief and anxiety which comes from eventual climate change? It is white boomer females. 
And again, present company is excluded. And, you know, if you think I'm talking about you, then when I say things like that, then I am. If you're not a white boomer female who shovels taxpayer money to psychologists in order to placate the, you know, the hippie retread ideas of let's have sex with a tree, then I'm obviously not talking about you. So don't take it the wrong way. But the uh, the just like there are elements in my generation which I which I would prefer to not have to you know take ownership of, I have to, and you're going to have to take ownership of these fucking pricks here because <laughs> it's not my fault. I didn't let these demons run around on planet Earth for 60, 70 years. I just got here, man. I just got here. What the fuck is going on? Who's responsible for this? Oh, it's the kids' fault. No, it's not. It's yours. <laughs> document uh, that said, please declare a climate emergency. While the council is happy spending ratepayers' money on climate change resilience classes, <laughs> many residents say they'd rather... Climate change resilience classes. <laughs> oh, God. How awful. Rather that money go to fixing roads and yeah. infrastructure. Yeah, normal stuff. <laughs> we don't even have a hard rubbish collection. Nothing's been done. We don't even have rubbish collection. <laughs> That's, I give up. <laughs> so the council is spending money on psychologists to teach people resilience against climate change because of the grief and anxiety that they are experiencing about climate change. Meanwhile, there is just piles of trash, <laughs> like getting higher and higher and higher. <laughs> Nobody's coming to pick up the rubbish bins. <laughs> well, we'd love to pick up the garbage because, as you know, uh, you know, wastage and garbage has a big role to play when it comes to climate change. But unfortunately, we've got to play for we've got to pay for classes to teach people resilience on how to deal with climate change. <laughs> That'll do me. That'll do. That's Australia, ladies and gentlemen. The lucky country. Wow. <laughs> we don't even have rubbish collection, but we've got classes to to. <laughs> to help people suffering with the grief of climate change while the town just increasingly fills with trash. <laughs> Fuck. We are so fucked. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You know, that's pretty wacky stuff. Somebody is coming up with real climate change solutions because I'm not interested in that kind of thing. I want, I want the people who are coming up with the real solutions, ladies and gentlemen. It could be an answer to reducing harmful greenhouse gas emissions. This muzzle-like contraption converts methane gas from livestock into water and carbon dioxide. <laughs> so the scientists, the bureaucrats, the politicians, the activists... The, uh, the white boomer females in the local council, they're all sitting around and they're like, how do we tackle climate change? How are we going to deal with this? Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Oh, thank you, UK Neil, gifting the subs. Thank you so much. 
So they're all sitting around and they're like, how are we going to deal with this climate change problem? And somebody up the back puts their hand up. I've got it. Let's put masks on all the cows. <laughs> My God, it's brilliant. <laughs> Can we still get a rubbish collection? No, we've got to pay for the we've got to pay for the bovine gas masks. We don't have time for rubbish. Just 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 make a pile of trash out the front of the city and we'll deal with it later. In the meantime, let's get counseling for people to help them deal with the grief of climate change and let's strap gas masks to the cows. It's 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 like we're living in a fucking dystopian nightmare at this point. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> or in less scientific terms, it captures cow burps. It captures cow burps. It is a cow burp capturing device that we need to strap to the faces of all the cows. Whilst we're getting counselling about the grief of climate change, this is how we're going to fix the problem. Every time a cow or other livestock animal burps, it releases methane into the atmosphere, a phenomenon responsible for nearly 15% of greenhouse gas emissions. These people are stark, they are stark raving fucking mad. Stark raving mad. Uh, and who's paying for this, right? <laughs> Pardon me. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's coming out of their own pocket. You know what I mean? According to the United Nations, the psychologist who is giving the classes on climate change resilience is now probably an investor in the cow burp capture technology mask, putting the livestock industry's environmental footprint on par with transportation. A pressing issue that needs to be dealt with. It needs. It needs to be dealt with quickly. The cow breath issue. It's an issue. I didn't even know. <laughs> we have a crisis on our hands here, ladies and gentlemen, comrades, if I may. This is an issue that must be dealt with. That's Francisco Norris. He's the co-founder and CEO of Zelp, an England-based company behind the mask that squelches, belches, turning each methane-filled cow burp into cleaner air. An idea Norris is trying to take to the mainstream. No, no, no. An idea that Norris is trying to get a nice big fat government contract for. Let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. And the reason that this is on the news, the reason that he's agreed to this press is so he can try and lobby some government, probably a government in a farming district, right? And probably a government that has, I don't know, uh, a politician who is sympathetic to this kind of thing, right? And he's going to approach them with this and he's going to say this will be very popular. We're addressing climate change. Guess what? You'll get to get on the plane. You'll get to go to Switzerland. You'll get to go to the junket. You'll get to go. You'll get an award for saving planet Earth if you do this. And I'll say, you know what? You're right. Here's a million pounds. Go and strap one of these ridiculous fucking masks on all of the cows in my county. Let's go. Let's do it right now. So they can come out and make a big announcement. Oh, we're saving the planet. He gets rich. The politician gets the pats on the back. Everybody wins except you. You win nothing. 
uh, making sure that people understand that this is viable, that this is scalable, and that this is an efficient solution to the problem. Although less problem, it's a problem. Cows burping is a problem. Prevalent than carbon dioxide, methane is actually more potent because it traps 28 times more heat, according to a 2016 study. We face the challenge of you know, moving at the speed that the climate crisis requires. But the cattle world will have to wait with bated breath. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just going to, just pardon me for a second. I'm just going to get my handgun and uh, blow my brains out. I'll be right back. They're waiting with bated breath. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> there you have it. Oh, all right. We've got so much to get through, but you know what? I think we've held on long enough, ladies and gentlemen. We need to get to this. This is the main. This is the main story of the night. And I'm just. I just need to gather myself. Um, as you know, over the last month or so, we've been on a journey together, and it's been quite the ride, hasn't it? Uh, it was inspiring. It was unique. It was special, I think. And there were highs, there were lows. But we experienced it together. And I think that's the main thing. There, we came together in a perilous time, in a time of darkness, in, of gloom, of black pills, and of catastrophe and chaos. And these experiences that we had, I think we're going to have forever. Uh, we're never gonna forget. We were born in blood. Third Eye Texas says, let us continue to journey. Well, we're going to, we're going to continue to journey together, I hope. I hope you'll remain part of this caravan of courage, but we're going to have to take a different direction. Are you breaking down, Boogie? Yes, that would be a fair thing to say, Lady Thor. I am indeed breaking down. Because earlier this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I woke to the heartbreaking, terrible news that our man, our endorsed candidate for the 2020 presidential nomination, ladies and gentlemen, had been murdered. He's dead. And I didn't even... Oh, no, he just dropped out of the race. Shit. <laughs> I always get those two mixed up. John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, <clears throat> he has decided to pull the plug. He's decided to cut and run. He's decided to walk away. He's decided he ain't going to run no more. That boy ain't going to run no more. Jo That's right. You heard it right. John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen, He's giving it up. He's he's pulling out of the 2020 presidential nomination. But I just want to say, this is not a time for tears. This is not a time. In the, in the spirit of empty political platitudes, let me just say, this is not a time for despair. The things that we have done here have made real shockwaves around the world. 
We had a mission and we had a dream and we are united. But right now, we need to be right behind the next guy, whoever that is. <laughs> so he, he's, he's, he's giving up, he's running. And I'm sad because we had so much fun with John and we really liked him and he was our, he was our guy. The 2020 presidential candidate, Andrew Jackson, state, I didn't even know he was sick. <laughs> oh, shit. Now you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I, was, I will never get sick of that joke, by the way. If you don't know what we're talking about, you have to watch Revenge of the Sis to know uh, that line. I didn't even know he was sick. So Let's see what John's got to say for himself. It is heartbreaking, Monica. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I should get some kind of counselling, some kind of grief counselling here. But it's all right. We'll pick up the pieces. We'll move on. You know, like this will make us better in the long run, but it just hurts now. Just hurts now. Carol, who was John? Where have you been over the last month, Carol? Oh, my God. You've got a whole month's worth of shows to catch up on. John McAfee, we endorsed him for president about a month ago. He was our, he's our nominee. He's decided that he's not running anymore. So let's see what John's got to say. Good morning, ladies Whoa, and gentlemen. Sorry about that. I regret to announce that I am terminating my campaign for president of the U.S. No! Say it ain't so. Al John is a heartbreaker. Effective immediately. I have instead decided to run for the second most powerful office in America, <laughs> Vice President. <laughs> okay. I guess it's not all bad. <laughs> I have instructed my campaign manager. Uh, Rob Loggia to uh, contact Vermin Supremes uh, campaign manager Desiree. Oh, now see this. This is controversial because I've actually spoken to the vice presidential candidate for Vermin Supreme in private, ladies and gentlemen, over DMs. So I wonder if he's going to be. I don't think he would be particularly pleased that John McAfee is now gunning for his job. He's a very nice guy. He spoke to me. He went out of his way to get in touch with me. A very nice dude. His name's Spike Cohen. And he, as it stands right now, he's the vice presidential candidate. He's on the ticket for Vermin Supreme. <clears throat> exactly. Why censored? What about Spike? What about Spike, huh? John McAfee's just moving in on his turf. He's trying to cut his lawn. <laughs> Joey. Thank you for the diamond, Joey. Joanne uh, throwing in a diamond for the counselling fund. <laughs> I, I think I'll get about a dollar's worth. <laughs> I think that's before they throw me out of the office. So, <laughs> so he's trying to move in on Spike's turf. What the hell's going on? Vice McAfee 2020. Make the vice presidential candidate great again. Oh, it's just not the same. And see if they cannot negotiate uh, a situation where I run as Vermin's uh, vice presidential pick. Now, uh, why vermin, number one? Because his campaign platform is, beyond a doubt, the most profoundly simple and effective uh, of anyone's. It's based on one principle, a free pony for every American. Now, who? He is so high when doing this. 
Look at those eyes. <laughs> He's so fucking high. <laughs> I've said this. I've said this to like uh, people like in the libertarian movement before. I like I don't understand how the libertarian party doesn't have everybody under thirty voting for them. You know what I mean? Everybody under thirty should be voting libertarian. Like if you take the platform, if you take the attitude, if you take the approach to politics, it's it it's amazes me that everybody under thirty isn't voting libertarian. They they want to give free ponies to people. John McAfee announces that he's pulling out of the presidential race while stoned off his tits. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking he's whacked. He is completely wanked. I don't know. I will, uh, Vermin Supreme is, uh, obviously the best candidate because, uh, he's giving a free pony to everyone. I don't know of any other campaign that is willing to do just that. You can fucking argue with that. You can't fucking but argue two, with that. As I have said time and time again, presidents have no power in America. What? did not occur to me whilst that vice presidents do. I mean, listen to this. Uh, <laughs> vice presidents are the second most powerful person in America. And uh, <laughs> nobody pays any attention to them. <laughs> Whoever uh, arranged that coup, my hat is off too. Uh, vice presidents, for example. I mean, a, a president gets head in the Oval Office uh, and suddenly there's six months of chaos. Well, does anyone care if the vice president gets head? No, no one's watching him. <laughs> See, he's a genius. I'm going to run for vice president because then I can get unlimited blowjobs and nobody will even notice. <laughs> and because no one it fucking makes sense to me. Is watching him, he's probably getting ten times as much. Uh, do presidents go to the Ukraine <laughs> and cut deals worth billions? No, no. vice presidents do. Vice I'd presidents like to do. taste that ultimate fucking power. <laughs> I like to taste that ultimate fucking power. <laughs> Ten times the head and all of the all of the overseas uh, opportunities for corruption. <laughs> the vice president is the man. See, nobody's really paying attention to Mike Pence, and I bet that whole Christian thing is just a fucking sham. In reality, he's getting blowjobs from hookers in his office every goddamn day, and he's just filling up his bank account with overseas dirty cash. And then he comes out and he says some shit about God and how much he loves his wife and everybody laps it up. But in reality, he is a coked up sex fiend, ladies and gentlemen. Of this, I am certain. Because John McAfee would never lie to us. John, Uncle John would never lead us astray. He's never said anything wrong before. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I revealed a segment of myself I was not supposed to reveal, but I'm too drunk and stoned. To yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, well, I'm sorry. I revealed a segment of myself I was never meant to reveal. I'm too drunk and stoned to think about what I'm saying. <laughs> See, I told you he's fucking honest.
I told you he never lies. Not fucking power. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I revealed a segment of myself I was not supposed to reveal, but I'm too drunk and stoned to redo this video. So there you have it. Um, I hope, Vermin, you will accept my humble offer and we can move on with this libertarian campaign. And thank you for listening. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. It's bittersweet, isn't it? Ah, oh, but he's 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 not running anymore for president, but he is running for the real powerful job, that being vice president, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he tweeted this out earlier and he said, if only I had known about this video sooner, I may not have dropped out of the presidential race. This is one of his fans put this together. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Wait, the fuck up! having sex with whales at the end, which, as you all know, was one of the platforms that he was trying to legalise, sex with whales. And there he is, <clears throat> having a sex having sex with a whale. <laughs> a young John McAfee. Look at that ass, huh? That's a president's ass right there. That's the ass of a leader, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got one more little video that he tweeted out. So this is after... He announced that he's no longer running for president. Yes, we're very upset, but I don't think the hits are going to stop uh, stop coming from John. We will stop paying so much attention to him. Um, this this leads us to a difficult place here on this program because, of course, we endorse John McAfee for president, and we were ready. We were we we were going all the way with John, like we were going right up to the end. But now he's pulled out. Now he's retreated before the end, and it's kind of like all of us supporters are like now standing here going, well, now what do we do? But, sir, who will lead us now? Who will we throw our weight behind? And I don't know, maybe it's a little too raw right now. He has endorsed um, Vermin Supreme, and we do like Vermin Supreme. We've covered Vermin Supreme there is something about Vermin Supreme which I think is good, but it, it just it doesn't have the same edge like John McAfee does. You know what I mean? It's not as exciting, I think. I'm not saying it's not exciting, but when you're boosting for John McAfee, you don't know what's going to come out of this fucking guy's mouth from one minute to the next. Whereas Vermin Supreme, I think, is the more reasonable candidate. You know, the guy with the boot on his head who wants to give everyone a free pony? He's the more serious one. And John McAfee for me is like the rock star. So it's hard for me not to fanboy for the rock star, right? 
And so I want to know from you, let me know, what should we do? Should we now, should we follow John McAfee's lead? Should we now, you know, get in behind Vermin Supreme and, you know, will him on to the top job? Or should we, you know, find somebody else? Or should we give up altogether? Should we take a little time to process this information, process the grief, and then come back at it with clear eyes? Unlike John, <laughs> is that the direction we should go in? You know, you tell me. What do you think? Which way should we head with this? While you're pondering that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so he put this video out after he announced that he was no longer running for president. I haven't seen it yet. Why does power corrupt? Well, it's very simple. Uh, people are, are complex creatures. We, um, we, all of us, are a mixed bag. We have love, compassion, generosity. And yes, caring. ladies and gentlemen, I am, I am pleased to announce that yet again, the toilet roll is present in the reflection of the sunglasses. It's still there. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the toilet paper. I need to know why every single video John shoots in this room has a roll of toilet paper on the table in front of him. And it's, it's the same roll. Like, it's not being used. I'm starting to think it's some kind of ornament. Maybe the toilet roll has some kind of sentimental value. Maybe he can't throw that one away. Maybe that's maybe he escaped with it when he escaped from the uh, Dominican uh, prison, right? Maybe he took that with him as a memento because it was the only thing in his cell, a roll of bog paper. I think there's more to that story. I'm trying to figure it out. Why there is a the only ever there there is only one constant in John McAfee's videos, and that is the roll of toilet paper that sits just a few feet in front of him. It's the only thing that never changes. <laughs> um, uh, we are wonderful people, and at the same time, every one of us are greedy, angry, jealous, narrow-minded, and a host of other equally uh, um, unpalatable conditions. Now, if we give such a person power, where does the power go? Does it go to love? <laughs> do, do you need power to love? No, it comes from the heart. Compassion? You see someone bleeding in the street? Uh, well, I'm sorry, I, I can't help them. I don't have enough power. No. Compassion needs no power. Generosity needs no power. No positive quality of humanity needs power. I don't know. What about like a brain surgeon? You know, because like there's no windows in there. So like if the brain surgeon's trying to save somebody's life, you know what I mean, and the power goes out, you know, it's kind of dark probably kill them yeah whatever hmm. what needs power <laughs> greed. greed I'm greedy I want something I don't have the money greed. if I had power I'd get the money uh, anger 
I, I want to go and burn <laughs> something down, destroy <laughs> something. Uh, you need power for that, right? Um, fear is the greatest consumer of power. Fear causes us to build walls around ourselves and to put energy into keeping out those things which we either do not like. Or <laughs> Victor von Schroom. Uh, Victor, I, when I when I say that name, I feel like I have to say it like Victor von Schroom. Well, it's good. No brain surgeon is working on you, then, Boogie. <laughs> they couldn't find anything. It's just an echo chamber in there. They popped the top of my scalp off, and dust fell out. Or we fear tremendously. So they say power corrupts, of course. It corrupts. Course it cannot uplift people. <laughs> <laughs> he would. He, he can be like, he could play the Joker. Brave Bigot says, I'm convinced that this is Heath Ledger Joker character 30 years in the future. Yeah, Heath Ledger didn't die. He went to the future, aged, and then came back. <laughs> well, you see, you know, absolute power corrupts because uh, no real human emotion ever comes from power. You can't help people with power. Only powerful people fear the people who don't have their power. You know, I try to bring laughter to this world. You know, you and I, we're the same person. We're the same people. You can't live without me, and you know it. The only reason you're afraid, the only reason you're fighting, the only reason you're here is because you have the power and you're afraid of losing it. The uplifting part of humanity has no use for power. Greed, fear, anger, this needs power. This needs power. Please, <laughs> see the truth of this. See the truth. In other words, wake the fuck up. <clears throat> so, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over. But it is. It's over. Ladies and gentlemen, John McAfee, it's come to an end. But I realize we'll always have this. We will always have this moment that we shared together on this show. Do you remember this? How could you forget? So I just thought as a last tribute to John McAfee, let's send him out the way that he came into our world, talking about dry fucking people in the anus. <laughs> John McAfee here with a public service announcement. Caring for weapons. Number one, never. Ah, oh, the memories, huh? The memories. Remember this? Remember when we did this? God, what a day. What a beautiful, glorious day. Rainbows were shooting out of my ass for at least 48 hours after I saw this. I was walking on clouds. I'm walking on sunshine. Wow. God, it felt good. Dry fire a firearm. It will fuck up the system. If you can't remember, no dry firing. Would you dry fuck a tight asshole? No, 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 no. Those who have tried it will get my drift. Uh, number two. There's something missing. <laughs> There's something missing, isn't there? There's something missing from this, and I think I know what it is. 
Let's let's try it this way, ladies and gentlemen. To send John McAfee out on the high note that he deserves. Thank you, Mr. McAfee. Thank you, Mr. President. You'll always be our president. You'll always be a president to me. You'll always be our leader, our guy. And, you know, to give you the rightful tribute for all of the joy that you've brought us over the last, I don't know, five weeks or something. It wasn't really that long, I guess. But, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, for all of it felt like an eternity together. But our time together has come to an end, I'm afraid. And we need to move on. The freedom-loving, black-shirt-wearing libertarians of this world, we can't afford to wallow in our sadness forever. And we need to move on. Yes, thanks for the memories. Thanks for the memories, John. A lot of tributes flowing now in the chat for John McAfee. Uh, right, rightfully so. So let's send John out the way that he came in, in glory, ladies and gentlemen. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more John McAfee here with a public service announcement Caring for weapons Number one, never drive fire a firearm It will fuck up the system If you can't remember, no drive fire Would you? Drive, fuck a tight asshole. Thank no, you, no, Ben. No, no. Never drive, fire an asshole. McAfee, drink. rest in peace, uh, McAfee 2020. Trigger discipline. Never touch the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Why? I will save you hours of embarrassing time at police stations explaining why you accidentally shot the postman uh, when he was at the door on the 4th of July and a firecracker went off. Um, number three, and very important, never point the bell. It's called muscle discipline at any... It's okay, you can cry. Let it out. Feel your emotions. Don't be afraid of your emotions. If John has taught us anything... John has taught us anything. It's it's don't be afraid to love. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to be human. God damn it. We're gonna miss him. Oh, it will never be the same. There you have it. It's the end of John McAfee 2020. I'm crying. I'm losing my shit over here. It's all over, but thank you so much for the memories, John. You were the best that's ever been, God damn it. And we'll never, ever forget you. There you have it. John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> Gee, it's going to take a long time to get over that, I think. For me personally, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like slitting my wrists right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> You know, at times like this, I have to try and think about, you know, I think in times like this, you've kind of got to get your mind off stuff. You've kind of got to move. You've got to find a way to move on. <clears throat> and that probably looks different for everyone. Yes, F in the chat for John McAfee. JJ, thank you for joining us. I gave you a shout out at the start of the show. If you came in uh, after the beginning, guys, get in touch with JJ Stoner. DLive.tv slash JJ Stoner. Uh, it was Midget Wednesday today. 
those of us who were there, we shared something special. If you're looking for a reason, if you're looking for a way to get over losing John McAfee, then that's that's a good way of you know that's a good start. Check out JJ Stoner. Check out Midget Wednesday. Who knows? It might work for you. <clears throat> but we all have a different way of dealing with grief. I think. You know, some of us cry. Um, some of us force those emotions right down and walk on them. Why censored in the chat says, JJ thinks I have a penis. You don't? God, if I had known that, I wouldn't have bothered, even bothered talking to you. <laughs> I thought you had a penis this whole time. Jesus, I didn't know you had a vagina. Why the hell are we talking? <laughs> I've got no interest in you now. Um, <laughs> so everyone's got their own way of dealing with grief. And, you know, grief is a, it's an emotion, it's a time, it's a turbulent journey. And I'm not here to delegitimize anybody's journey through the troubled waters of grief and personal turmoil. So, but if it helps, you know, and this is all serious now, I don't want to, like, I'm not joking, this is deadly serious. I don't want to, if it helps, I can tell you how I deal with grief when I deal with those moments, those brief very, very brief moments where I actually feel human emotion again. Because um, as you all know, if you're a long time listener to this show, I'm essentially incapable of human emotion except for fleeting moments of white hot rage. Everything outside of that really doesn't exist for me anymore. So, so on those brief fleeting moments where I do feel what you humans call grief, um, I have a method of dealing with it and it works for me and I think it might work for you too. Uh, and that method, ladies and gentlemen, is porn. <coughs> Pardon me. I go straight to porn. <laughs> and what could be better? What could be a better way of dealing with grief than this, ladies and gentlemen? Coronavirus-themed porn is going viral. Ten internets for you for that pun in the headline. Cheesy puns will always get gold stars on this program. Always. You know, John McAfee may be dead and gone, metaphysically, but our love of cheesy puns and porn remains. <laughs> Coronavirus-themed porn. That is hot, isn't it? Just the idea of someone coughing mucus up on you. <laughs> like, don't you want a vagina that's so hot to the touch that it singes the skin on your fingertips when you touch it? Check it and see. Coronavirus, I want you to fuck me. Works for me. Sounds kinky, says Rusty. <laughs> Sounds kinky is kinky. It's going viral. Now, that's a sick fetish. Who the fuck? Who? What? Sick. Oh, wait, I get it. I get the joke. Uh, <laughs> very funny. Coronavirus theme porn is going viral on streaming sites with more than 100 videos from the bizarre genre popping up in recent days. Porn has become the new barometer for society, don't you think? <laughs> like, if if Pornhub had have been around, you know, in 2001, I have a feeling that we would be jerking off to videos of people having sex in rubble with Arab men. <laughs> Fuck, I can't believe I just said that. I'm an idiot. 
Inside voice, Boogs. Jesus Christ. What are you doing, man? So it's become the new thing. Wherever there is a crisis, wherever there is some kind of event, wherever there is some kind of cultural phenomenon, you know, in movies or in real life or wherever it may be, the porn industry now is quicker to react than the corporate media. Before you know it, lickety split, there is a clip up on Pornhub of people doing whatever the event is. <laughs> it's big, they're, they're ahead of the curve on most of this stuff. See, people have these ideas, these conspiracies that the deep state plans things in advance and then normalizes us to it. Maybe the porn industry's running the fucking show. Has anybody ever felt about has anybody ever thought that? You need help, says follow Q. No, I'd, I'm I'm fine. Although, if you could send somebody over to do the hedges for me, that would be most appreciated. Because they're getting a little bit out of control. So I'll I'll always accept that kind of help, the live-in help. Preferably the kind I don't have to pay for, though. I know if is that still legal in your country? I'm not sure. Uh, but if we can do that, then fine. Coronavirus theme porn is going viral on streaming sites with more than 100 videos from the bizarre genre genre popping up in recent days, according to a report. We're we're doing reports. <laughs> Imagine working for the New York Post and getting that brief on your fucking desk in the morning. <laughs> Johnson, get in here. Yes, sir. Johnson, I've got a, I've got something that needs to be investigated. I thought, uh, who is my most talented investigative reporter? And I immediately thought of you, Johnson. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been waiting for this kind of opportunity. Yes, yes. Shut the fuck up, Johnson. Just sit down and do what I fucking tell you. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, Johnson. This is not the kind of report that I can give to one of my more established journalists. You know, they've got reputations and they're afraid of losing it. So quite frankly, they don't take enough risks. But I like you, Johnson. You look to me like a risk taker. You look like you're ready to go to the next fucking level. Uh, yes, that's me, sir. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Good, good. I want you to take that laptop over there, go into the basement toilet and start going onto Pornhub. Oh. Sir, you heard me. That laptop over there, the one with the plastic film over it, Take that laptop over there, head down to the basement, go into the toilet and lock yourself in there. I don't want to see you for 10 hours. And when you come out, I want to I want to make sure that your arm, your shoulder, your shoulder is dislocated. I want your wrist to be hurting. I want your I want you to be screaming in pain. Sir, sir, what is this? Well, apparently Johnson, there's a lot of people uploading coronavirus themed porn videos to Pornhub. And I want you to do, I want you to go deep on this. I want you to investigate this. Are you ready for this assignment? Um, huh? What an opportunity. Like I said, are we even... No, see, right, see what I mean? Now, you think, you think that I'm disgusting when I say things about, you know, like 9-11 theme porn and stuff. You think that I'm disgusting when I make these things, but I want to see a poll in the chat now, a show of hands. There's, there's genius in my madness. For the last two minutes, has anybody even thought about John McAfee? Press one in the chat if you have not thought about John McAfee once in the last two minutes. I'll give you a moment. Be honest. Be honest. Nobody likes a liar.
of ones. Now, day, day's fault there. <laughs> it's always going to be one, huh? Movie time blues, yeah, you're another one. Got my eye on you, mate. Well, exceptions to trends do not invalidate trends, ladies and gentlemen. So, as you can clearly see, my method for recovering from grief works for most people. Just think of an Arab man having sex on the rubble of the World Trade Center and all of a sudden you'll forget what you were upset about just before you thought of that. <laughs> Viewers are hotter than a fever for the sickness-centric smut because fear is often fetishized, one porn actor told the outlet. I think people are attracted to COVID-19-themed porn the same way people who are scared of their shadow are attached to horror movies. We are all searching for things that make us come alive. <laughs> Said the performer, Spicy, young Spicy here, <laughs> winning TV, John Who? <laughs> who has appeared in coronavirus-themed porn. COVID-19 is something that brings fear and mystery pretty, to pretty much everyone in the world right now. The amateur porn maker appeared in a, a video dubbed, this is what, the, this is the, like, the, porn titles have changed so much from when I was a lad. You know, back in my day, back in my day, the pornographic uh, movies used to have uh, much more appropriate names. You know, there was names such as uh, uh, Teen Tit Slut. Uh, that was one of the favourites, you know, back in the early 70s. And then you, of course, had uh, Bush Munchers, which was one of my personal favourites. Uh, you know, there was other titles such as uh, Gaping Anal Number 36, you see, because back in those days, if a series didn't get up to at least 32, then you didn't even bother watching Number 1, you see, because it had to show that it had longevity back in my day. So you know, these were much more appropriate names for porn movies, as far as I'm concerned. The porn movie that she was in, ladies and gentlemen, this co coronavirus-themed porn flick, <laughs> the title of it was Body Cam Footage Investigates Deserted Wuhan. <laughs> it's very abstract. <laughs> it's very specific. It's abstract yet specific. <laughs> Body cam footage investigates deserted Wuhan. That is now what they're calling the porn movies. D take me back to the good old days of gaping assholes number 36. <laughs> which, <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to know the plot? Uh, which features a woman in a hospital gown and a man in a hazmat suit hooking up in the ground zero city. Well... We've got about, what have we got left of the show? About We've got about 20 minutes left of the show. Just need to, body cam footage investigates deserted Wuhan. Okay. Just doing some research after the show. Just going to have to do some research. See what's going on there. You see, I'm very interested in what's going on in Wuhan. Wuhan. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> now the chat looks weird says rock in america other videos give new meaning to the term protection 
as couples strip down but keep their surgical masks on. All sex should be had that way. No, I don't want to kiss you. Wear this. Maybe that maybe we should get a, maybe we should all be wearing those cow gas masks we saw earlier. <clears throat> oh, Amberlina, good call. They need the body condom that we t- we spoke about yesterday. Of course. Of course. Another title. This is another porn title. TSA agent detains woman suspected of coronavirus. That's what the this is what the fucking porn pornos are called now. <laughs> TSA agent detains woman suspected of coronavirus. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it, clickbait has come to porn. You know that we are as you know that society is in a state of disrepair when porn titles like "Jizz Hungry Tit Slut" don't get the same amount of hits as TSA agent detains woman suspected of coronavirus. You know that we are at end of days when that happens. You know that Horny Teens number 17 doesn't get as many clicks as uh, body cam footage investigates deserted Wuhan. You know, at that point, we're fucked. We're completely fucked. (laughs) Take the black pill on this. (laughs) Holy shit. What the hell is going on? Andrew Jackson kissing is for beginners. Worldwide, the deadly virus has killed more than 3,000 people and infected 90,000. Oh, that's hot. Nothing gets me going like a pile of body bags. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, let's keep on the porn theme. Pornhub very excited to release its first ever non-adult film, ladies and gentlemen. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's taking place? Do you see what's becoming of the world? Porn was the last refuge of sanity. Porn was the last place where you could put a title in and get what you were looking for. Google is broken. Bing is broken. The search engines are broken. The corporate media is broken. The titles never represent what they claim to represent. Fake news is abounds. We are awash with propaganda and lies constantly. And Pornhub was the last place where you could put something in the search box and that's pretty much what would show up. But now you're getting body cam footage from deserted Wuhan. You're getting TSA agents detaining people suspected of coronavirus. And now they are releasing feature films. (laughs) There is so much porn out there in the world. This is the article. It would be physically impossible to watch every single movie. Sounds like a challenge to me. But there are adult sites out there that want to delve into areas other than explicit material, which is why Pornhub is excited to debut its first non-pornographic film. Like you says, there's no escape. (laughs) The documentary is called Shakedown, and Pornhub is hoping that its humongous audience, there were 42 billion uh, unique visits on Pornhub last year. 42 billion. We'll give it a watch. The documentary concocted by filmmaker and conceptual artist Leela Weinraub Weinraub, is, according to Variety, a stream of consciousness nonfiction narrative about the queer women and men who populated the lesbian strip scene in Los Angeles in the 2000s. Okay. How many alts is that? About 42 billion. (laughs) There's just one guy with 42 billion alt accounts. 
Weinrub said, there's a cool opportunity right now to present films in the art space. There's more openness to diversity and content and a different sort of storytelling. I feel like it complicates the history of subcultures like Los Angeles. It reorients your placing of things in that history. I feel like that was my goal, not to put a finger on it. <laughs> well, why is it on Pornhub then if I can't put a finger on it? Eh? Got to float the man in the boat. Complicate and add to that richness. The richness of Pornhub. It is a cultural hub. They'll, they'll rename it Culture Hub. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Rock in America. She hopes that the film will appeal to everyone, but she has specifically targeted women. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's 42 billion unique visits on Pornhub. You want to release a video that specifically targets women. You decide to release it on Pornhub. Yes, they do have 42 billion unique visits. I'm not sure how many of those billions are women. <laughs> I'm not sure if even the female quota of the Pornhub audience could even start, in terms of numbers, start with a B. It might not even go beyond four digits. Put it that way. The film is part of a general commitment Pornhub has to supporting the arts. We support the arts. We want to be seen as a platform that artists and creators can use. I'm... I'm I would like to upload videos to Pornhub. <laughs> I would like to upload the Daily Boogie to Pornhub. I think that audience would get it. And, you know, sometimes this this podcast could be the soundtrack to your depravity. This podcast could be the soundtrack to your masturbation. Who knows? Maybe it will work for you. I mean, if there's 42 billion people out there, Surely, like, there's got to be a thousand of them that would get off on this shit, right? Surely. Surely there would be a thousand people out there who would say, mm, mm, John McAfee. <laughs> They'll ban us off Pornhub because I'll say, we can't accept this John McAfee stuff. What's he talking about? Anal fisting? Jesus Christ. What do you think we are, perverts? We're not playing. He was, he was holding a gun in the video. We're not having that. That's not going on our platform. <laughs> Why censored? How did you know? <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Pornhub. <clears throat> uh, okay. Let's wrap it up with this. I've got one more story here for you. This is, this is very amusing to me. So let's do it backwards. So I came across this one. Angry about transphobia today? Question mark. Here are some things that you can do with that rage. Because we've covered stories on this show before, right? Of, you know, feminists writing in The Guardian, for example, um, various groups in society, whoever they are, who say that you need to get angry, right? It, anger is a good thing. Female, so let's take the feminist perspective. Female anger is a vehicle for change. We've done these articles. Female anger is something that we need to embrace. Don't be afraid of your anger. You know, like the Malcolm X quote, anger is a gift, right? So get angry, women. Get fucking angry and get out there and scream and show everyone you're angry and don't stop screaming until you get what you want. We love anger. But then on the flip side, we laugh because they lament the angry white men <clears throat> because that kind of anger 
needs to be subdued. That kind of anger is illegitimate. And, you know, how they talk about we need to ban hate, that always was an odd statement to me because how can you ban a human emotion? You can't ban a human emotion. You can only suppress an emotion. You can only cover an emotion up. You can only hide an emotion, but that doesn't mean it goes away. That just means it bubbles under the surface until an appropriate time when it explodes all over you, like, I don't know, uh, a man in a, hazma- a man in a hazmat suit investigating a deserted Wuhan who comes across a young lady in a hospital gown. So you can't get rid of hate. You can't get rid of anger. But anger is a bad thing. Anger is a dangerous thing. If you're, you know, for a, tr- a Trump supporter, for example, you're not allowed to be angry. If you're a white man, you're not allowed to be angry. If you're a nationalist or you know a conservative or whatever it is, you're not allowed to be angry. Your anger needs to be suppressed. But the anger of the feminists, ladies and gentlemen, needs to be harnessed. It needs to be exploited. It needs to be magnified. It needs to be turned into something useful. So I'm always interested in this psychology. Here are some things you can do with that rage. This is an article. I'm sick and tired of being told that trans people are a threat to women. Girls and feminism, and I'm sick and tired of not being able to call this out for what it is, transphobia. And they give us a link here and they say, yet another newspaper article about how the struggle for transgender rights is, quote, silencing women. So the article that they link to, they're saying is transphobic. Okay, so now where do you think the article comes from? Where do you think the article which is transphobic comes from? Let's let's rattle through them. So, okay, I don't know. The Telegraph, uh, The Examiner. How about The Independent? Maybe uh, the, the uh, New York Post, right? Uh, who else have we got? Breitbart. It could be Breitbart. It could be Stormfront, right? It could be one of these areas. Uh, Epoch Times, something like that. That's where you think that this transphobic article would come from. And if you thought that, you would be wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, the transphobic article comes from The Guardian. (laughs) The Guardian, that bastion of right-wing extremism and bigotry. (laughs) The Guardian. And here's the article. Women's groups claim silencing on transgender concerns. It's a year old, by the way. Fears fears of intimidation are stifling discussion of changes to the Gender Recognition Act campaign say This is where it gets really juicy, okay? This is going to be complex, so you it's going to be difficult for you to wrap your head around this. Um, if you understand logic, you need to, to... In order to understand what's taking place here, you need to stop understanding logic. Are you following me? In order to get your mind into the correct mind frame to understand what I'm about to t- what I'm about to show you, you need to be able to bend your mind into something that resembles a pretzel. Failing that, you need to be able to melt your brain into something that resembles custard. Then you might be able to understand this. But if you're coming at this with like a logical, rational point of view, This is going to go right over your head. Just fair warning. So act dumb, okay? (laughs) Nearly 200 prominent figures have signed an open letter raising concerns that public and private bodies are helping to, quote, close down discussion 
about government plans to make it easier for trans people to have their preferred gender legally recognised. Okay? Writers, and they name a few, the founder of Southall Black Sisters Centre, are among 195 people to put their names to the letter published in The Observer. We believe the right to discuss proposed changes to the law is fundamental in a democratic society. So what's taking place here is feminists, female, you know, biologically born female feminists. This is outrageous. They are having their discussions about a law which will allow transgender people to officially change their gender, you know, through government documents, right? So a transgender female will just be, will become a female. The feminists are being shut down by the transgender people when the feminists are trying to talk about whether or not they agree with this law. In one of those glorious moments of sweet, sweet irony, the feminists, ladies and gentlemen, yes, the angry kind, are are having their discussions shut down They are having venues cancel their talks because another victim, uh, uh, pardon me, another group in society claims that what they are saying and the discussions they are having are harmful and hurtful to a minority group. Yes. The feminists are having their discussions shut down by the trans lobby because the trans lobby is accusing the feminists because they want to discuss the proposed law change, they are accusing the feminists of transphobia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Days Vault Bear is just like clapping. It's like a round of applause. Monica's giving a round of applause. <laughs> Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you, Movie Time Blues, for the sub. The, the Empire Strikes Back. See, this is this is why I've said I've said this before. This this is exactly why now is a time to just kick back. And you don't have to do this, but this is my this is my approach, right? Um, I don't get angry when I see trans athletes absolutely destroying um, biological females on the sports field. That makes me happy. That brings me joy. Because I believe in equality. I believe that everybody should have the right to compete on the same sports field. Hmm? I don't believe in transphobia. Sure, there's going to be some feminist types out there who have a problem with the trans movement, but I don't believe that they should be, you know, hurting people and harming people. I don't think that they should be excluding anyone from their spaces. That would be wrong. And, you know, the occasional trans person winning in, you know, the traditionally, well, the traditional female uh, sports, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I want trans women to win every sport. I want trans women to dominate female sports, top to bottom. 
every sport, every medal, every championship, every game, every race, everything. Because I don't believe in excluding people who are different from spaces. Because I believe in equality. That's what you wanted us to believe in. And now I agree. And I think people who are against this are phobic and wrong. Because only the bigots and the phobias would be afraid of something like this. I believe everybody should have the chance to compete on the same field. I'm not afraid. I'm tolerant. And I'm open. And I think it's good. I want trans women to win every single female sporting event all the time. To celebrate. To celebrate diversity. And I will celebrate it. And then maybe what will happen is uh, the feminists in society, ladies and gentlemen, they might turn, they're going to, they've, they've already started. They're being very transphobic as it is. They're being very transphobic now. And they're saying, well, this isn't fair. We shouldn't have to compete against the trans women. Maybe we should have our own. <laughs> maybe eventually they'll say, maybe we should have our own sporting events in our own spaces. Maybe we should have sports that are just for biologically born females and not trans females. Hmm? Oh, well. I don't want anybody to be excluded. I guess if you need your own spaces and you want to have your own sports, you know, I guess that's up to you. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty transphobic if you ask me. I don't know if I can support it, but if that's what you want, I mean, good luck, right? <clears throat> if you want to have your own female-only, biologically female-only sports instead of being open and tolerant and diverse, then, you know, I think that's kind of hateful and intolerant, but it's not up for me to decide. I don't want to tell women what they should do and I don't want to tell women about their own experiences. I don't believe in that. I think women should have their own spaces. <laughs> are you, are, is your mind turning into a pretzel yet? Have you melted your brain down to custard yet? Good, good. So that's the story here. Women's groups are being silenced by the trans groups because the women's groups want to talk about a proposed law and they are claiming their right to free speech and their right to free speech in a democratic society is being silenced by somebody else, by another group's outrage. So they're being transphobic, obviously, by wanting to discuss this proposed law change. So... Let's go back to our article. Angry about transphobia? Here are some things that you can do with that rage. Uh, I think this needs a backdrop too, to be fair. We need the right setting for this. Uh, you know, because rage is good. Anger is good. Um, we want people to use their rage. We want people to use their anger against the bigots in society, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be able to uh, we need to be able to let people let their anger flourish. Let the hate flow through you. Good. Good. So you want to attack the feminists. You need to shut down the feminist discussions. 
the Death Star will be completed on schedule. <laughs> Let the hate flow through you. Good, Trans Lobby. Good. So, we like, we love the anger now. We need the anger. Anger is good, and anger needs the right context, I think. Trans people are a threat to women. Girls and feminism. I'm sick and tired of not being able to call out this as for what it is. Transphobia. After yet another article about how the struggle for transgender rights is silencing women, published and ironically by national newspaper, the internet is alight with angry trans allies. Allies. Today's show of support and solidarity with the trans and non-binary community is self-evident a good thing. It's my good for myriad reasons. My favorite is that exact opposite of what the person who wrote the article wanted. But if you have been angrily tweeting in response to that article today, I ask you to consider this, mein Herz. Do you feel this rage on behalf of the trans community every day? Because while that article has obviously struck a nerve, this was not particularly unusual. Transphobic articles, non-binary trans people are estimated to make up just 1% of the UK population. We need your rage today. We need your rage every day. Because the transphobia we face, the explicit hate crime type, and the covert concern for women and children type, and all in between in everyday single occurrence. Anger is an incredibly useful emotion, especially when translated into long-term, sustainable, meaningful action. So take your rage to that article and put it to good use. Hey! Thank you for the diamond, why censored, Kibby. Thank you for the diamond. So you can see, obviously, anger is the way to go. Everybody needs to get a little angry. And with your anger, you need to feel rage every single day. That article, along with every reference we have, will be in the show notes to know, uh, when the show goes up in the podcast version, ladies and gentlemen. And that, unfortunately, brings us to the end of another edition of The Daily Boogie. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'll be back probably on Sunday night with the Flying Hawaiian. 
uh, James R on Trust and Verify. Thank you to everyone who joined us. Let's don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at Y Censored, at Winning TV, at UK Neil, at Mr. America, the Beard of Truth. Don't forget uh, JJ Stoner, who was in the chat earlier. Joy of Pessy on a Saturday night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Irrational Times, who we spoke to yesterday on the show. Great guy, Irrational Times. He did a show earlier today, so if you jump on YouTube, you can watch the replay, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on dlive.tv slash boogie bumper. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head over to patreon.com slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me about your rage and the path to victory, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.